0: I spent a decade having lawyer mask that you put on, bang, lawyer mode. And then if you knew a client for two or three years and you were in the middle of the third day of a hearing at lunch, you might be like, well, actually, I'm a real person under here. And the journey I've been on that's allowed me to let that mask slip to the extent where I think it's gone, and it's brought me great sort of mental health and well being, joy, but I think it's also enabled me to be a better lawyer when I'm in front of judges or opponents or clients or colleagues or whoever it is.
1: Listening to Doing Law Differently. Join me, Lucy Dickens, as I explore how the world's most progressive legal service providers are doing law differently. Welcome back, you're listening to the Doing Law Differently podcast. I'm Lucy Dickens and today I am joined by James Dapperci, who you may know better as Coffee and a Case Note. I think it's probably fair to say that if you're in the legal profession in Australia and you use social media and in particular look at legal type networks on social media or on whatever platform it might be, you'll have heard of James and his coffee and a case note. He has a simple idea, which is where he records a video summary about a case and shares it online, which is his way of promoting his practice. He is a corporate and commercial litigator practicing in Sydney, a special counsel at Chamberlain's Law Firm. So in this episode, I get the opportunity to speak to James and really unpick his idea behind Coffee in a Case Note, how it began, how it evolved, what benefits he gets from it, and also use the opportunity to ask him for some advice for all of us about how we can better embrace social media, particularly the use of video, because so many of us, and I'm included in this, kind of tell ourselves that it would be a good idea to do video or to do more social media posts in general, and we don't do it. And James has some really good advice and tips and really important information for us about why we need to just get over ourselves and get on with it and do it. So you'll enjoy listening to the episode and the interview with James. Hopefully you'll start to see some more video from me if I actually pay attention to the advice that he's given me which I do intend to do. So we'll see. Anyway, let's hit play and push on with the interview. Here is James of from Coffee and a Case Note and Special Counsel at Chamberlain's Law Firm. Enjoy. This episode is brought to you by Legally Yours, an online marketplace that connects clients to fixed fee and value-based pricing lawyers across Australia. For lawyers, Legally Yours also helps innovative legal professionals to connect and grow by providing business support services, education, leads and connections to other lawyers who operate beyond the billable hour. With membership starting from as little as $50 plus GST per month, join Legally Yours and find your tribe today. Visit legallyyours.com.au. Good morning, James. How are you? Welcome to the podcast.
0: Thanks so much for having me, Lucy. Really excited. Doing well. Thank you.
1: It's nice to be recording with a pro because clearly, just by the sounds of our before we hit record conversation, you're all over this. You know exactly what you're doing. So, this is going to be good fun.
0: It's good. It means you and I can both charge for our time as well. which Absolutely,
1: is yes. <laughs> now, I think many listeners probably know you as coffee and a case note, but for those who don't, tell us who you are and what you do.
0: I'm a corporate and commercial litigation lawyer in New South Wales, and I've got a little bit of experience doing that. And the way I generate work is including existing relationships. But in addition to existing clients, existing relationships, I use the internet in its current incarnation to try to be as generous as I can with sharing information and then using the sharing of that information to try to generate more work. And the project, as you kindly mentioned, Lucy's called Coffee in a Case Note. I sit down in a cafe, sip a coffee, talk about a recent case in my area, and hopefully I do it in a way that's rigorous with the law and sort of approachable in my manner. And look, so far, so good. We'll see how we go.
1: Yeah, I think it's great. It's a nice, it's really interesting in a unique way about of marketing your business. And I've got questions um about that but i guess one of the the thoughts that came into my mind when you were explaining that is yes this is unique but now you're starting to get people copy you right we saw yesterday that (laughs) (laughs) someone on linkedin who's just used your idea in its entirety
0: no my line (laughs) is that like you know whenever i go on holiday some pretender wants to take a shot at the champ is my um, is my joke about it but look in fairness and i'm sure any trademark lawyers in the room would say it's a very descriptive mark because i'm literally just going to have a coffee and uh, i'm talking about a case note but then i'd say that i've built up a reputation in it look it's funny i've only become touchy about it in about the last year for you know it's a project that commenced about 2018 and for a while, I was like, whatever, coffee in a case notes for the people, like, who cares? And it was about a year ago that I was counseled to take it a bit more seriously because I was investing time into the name. And so now my approach has sort of changed from sending your nice trademark style, like, do you understand what a registered trademark means, to going and commenting on the post to being like, g'day, Blogsy. So glad to see you're getting value from the coffee in a case note formula. From my brand. Yeah. yeah. Let me know if you've got any questions. You know, I was here first. And so let me know if you're going to continue with this and I can help. Happy to contribute. Happy to help out. <laughs> of course, the code is stop yes. you. Are we swearing on this podcast? We're not stop you, silly sausage. That's I guess, it. Lucy and I, so, sorry for the inflammatory language.
1: <laughs> no, I thought that was funny when you shared that yesterday. Now let's go back a bit. I'm curious to know what got you started. So you, you said it was in 2018. When you started back then, was this just for fun or was it a deliberate marketing kind of, was there a strategy behind it or were you just doing it to see what came?
0: I think the very last, just doing it to see what came is fair I had a reasonably big matter settle and I was elevated at about the same time. And so I was like, right, I've got time on my hands and I'm now in a position where I should be generating work. What are some ways to go about doing that? And so the first step was for me to start sharing case notes in a written form on LinkedIn as status updates. So, you know, a moderately complex piece of commercial litigation trying to use approachable language in that approachable way and then be rigorous by trying to be legally accurate and helping people understand the law. And that went okay for three or four or five months. And I started to see videos come up and I was like, look, I think I could probably do one of these somewhere. So Edgardo Sanchez, who was the finance manager at the firm I was then at very kindly held my iPhone while I um, went down to a coffee shop and looked down the barrel of the thing and talked for three and a half minutes about the law of corporate oppression and how Section 232 and Section 233 of the Corporations Act work together and, and sort of, I nearly said the rest is history and that's not quite right because even at the time I wasn't quite sure what I was doing, all I knew was for some reason law firms like case notes, for some reason law firms think Having a blog post on their website about a recent decision is good. People like videos. So if case notes are good and videos are good, what happens if I do my best to combine those two? And it was just sort of messing around for about nine to 12 months after that until Mitch Jackson, who I think is a friend of yours, Lucy, or or who I'm sure you would know well, gave me a very Californian kick up the behind to say, it's not a joke. You should be taking this seriously. And if you're not taking it seriously, then why are you devoting any time to it? And if you are devoting time to it, then why aren't you taking it seriously? And I found that quite a disarming (laughs) (laughs) bit of advice. And so from that sort of six to nine months in, or sort of 20 to 30 notes in, if we can measure time that way, I was sort of like, oh, okay. And so that's when you go and buy the microphone and buy the, piece of Apple software and then you start thinking about how things look and you start diversifying across platforms and all that sort of stuff. So it began as a bit of a business development flavoured crack <laughs> and and from there it sort of developed strategic teeth and fangs and claws and now it very much is an engine for generating work.
1: It's really interesting because I've seen that in my own life with so many different things I've done where I've just given something to go, not really had any kind of intentional strategy I mean even right back years ago when I started a mum blog where I was writing a blog about life as a new mum so much of that translated not not into work for the business but into skills I developed that taught me how to use WordPress and taught me how to do social media marketing and taught me all of these things that I brought into the business and it's amazing how just kind of giving something a go can end up with all sorts of opportunities for lots of different areas of life.
0: I think you would have found that it would also refine your technical legal work, Lucy. So if you're a better mum blogger, then you're probably a better wills and estates lawyer as well. Did you find that?
1: I don't know that I've ever really thought about it like that. Maybe. Definitely, probably more so as I moved into the kind of legal stuff, like the Doing Law Differently podcast and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think that makes me a better lawyer. But go on, what was your reflection?
0: The reason I raised it is because, what you were doing with your mum blog is thinking about um, bringing value to people who are engaging with what you've written. And so I think when you are publishing, pushing stuff into the market, you're trying to think not about me, 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 but about you, you, you. Like I'm trying to bring you as much as I can. And so I feel like if it was an excellent blog and remains one, as I suspect it was and does, it would have been about you empathizing with your readers and about you trying to bring value to your readers. And that skill set, I suspect, would have translated to an extent to your client work and indeed to any advocacy you were doing or, or any engagement with opponents to sort of your your clarity of expression I have found for me, and I suspect you, you may have found is why I asked the question, um, sort of is is refined as you develop that empathy and you get more and more data points as to how are people receiving what I say.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's a basic communication skills, isn't it? It's the more you do it, the better you become at it. But speaking of that, speaking of it's not me, 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 it's you, you, you. Who's your target market? Maybe you didn't have one when you started in 2018, but I expect from what you've said, you've probably developed one. So who are you preparing this content for?
0: I've got a short answer and then a long one. The short answer is legal adjacent professionals who refer lawyers work regularly. So non-exec directors, management consultants, in-house counsel, barristers, C-suite executives, accountants, I think I said financial advisors. This like this sort of people who engage with and refer people to lawyers, people who are the quote quote trusted advisors of their clients. So I want to be on a quote quote trusted advisors list of three lawyers. So when someone comes into Blogsy, the accountant, and says, right, I've got a big, ugly corporate dispute, I want Blogsy to say, Julie's great, I want Blogsy to say, Allison's great, and I want Blogsy to say, you know, I've been following this guy on the internet who actually has said a few relevant things as well. Let's have a think about whether this is a matter for Julie, whether this is a matter for Allison, whether this is a matter for this, this, this guy I follow on Instagram. And so that's sort of been it. But actually, most of the work has come from directly punters who are in the thick of it and so we'll often be like oh i'm like this is happening right now can you (laughs) can you tell me about it or referrals from lawyers out of their expertise so not not so much conflict referrals but your personal injury lawyer or your local conveyancer or your sort of big firm transactions person who is like well look i i know you know what you're talking about in this space um can you go and work with this client
1: So part of it is people who want the education, they want to learn about the cases that you're talking about. And part of it is people who don't necessarily want to know because that's your area of expertise, but they come to know you and maybe they don't even listen to your videos, but they know that you're the expert because you're posting about it all the time.
0: That is so true. So if I was to say, who is Lucy Dickens? And the answer would be, she's an engaged practitioner who knows a lot about the present and the future of law and, and coaches and does all these things. All those things I know in my head about you as someone who might send you a coaching client or might send you a legal client or might recommend your book to has arisen from the view I have formed about you that it just so happens I've listened to all your podcasts, but long time listener, first time, first time guest. <laughs> but even if I hadn't, I would have formed that view notwithstanding. You know, the very fact you're out there saying I've got a podcast that talks about this means that you're saying I've got a reputation that I'm going to put on the line to say that I know about this. And that on my side is something that I've done, you know, 90 or 100 times now with some moderate pieces, moderately complex bits of litigation. And so I'm saying, look, every time you see my face, I am putting on the line my reputation as someone who's good at explaining this. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. I say I am. Let's see. And so what you actually find is there are people who like the project a lot simply for the fact it's happening, (laughs) you know. So there won't be people who watch eight minutes on how do derivative actions work if a company's in receivership rather than liquidation. Mm -hmm. You know, your answer, Lucy, might be I don't care, but I care that James knows essentially is is going to be the response. Yeah. Um, and so that's something I've seen come through. I don't want to watch an eight-minute video about that. I'll just say <laughs> <"Look>, <laughs> I appreciate that this person understands it and that's as far as I'll go.
1: Exactly. And that's why we have our little areas of expertise because I don't want to watch eight-minute video about that but you do so that's why we send we send the people with a problem to you I love that you've said that I've been working with a couple of colleagues trying to convince them that they need to start embracing social media in a personal brand kind of sense and I'm not having success with it I'm not it's not working for me almost every day I'm like so I've got a a different angle how about this If if we approach it this way or what do you think of this idea and it's really not working for me but I see this so much in my own life when I need a service or I'm looking for a product, I don't necessarily know who to go to, but I know, ah, there's this person who I've followed online for a while and they do something similar and Mm. that's how it all starts, right?
0: There's that element of it's not who you know, it's it's who knows you Mm. sort of dichotomy of there are like you probably haven't met your potential clients, Lucy, you probably haven't met the people who are just about to pick up the phone maybe not this week but next week. And I actually find that most of my pre-qualified referrals, especially from TikTok, which is really strange, arise from people who are like, yeah, 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 money and trust, whatever. Like, that's fine. Like, let's get down to work because all that sales pitch time of like, hey, by the way, I'm very good and it's quite complex and here's my strategy and this is what I think. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, hush, 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 hush.
1: <laughs> it's taken care of. Precisely. Exactly yeah. as you say. Yeah. And
0: so your sales pitch to your friends if I can empathize with your problem because I've had a significant number of similar chats and the thing I find frustrating, Lucy, is that they're often chats initiated by the other person who will come and say, James, come help me form a strategy and I'll go, great, clear the desk, here we're We're going to dip, and you invest that time and it goes nowhere. And so on one view, that means there's more free air for you and I to speak into, Lucy, But on another view, it means that the people who would have got value from your personal injury colleague down the hall's reflections just doesn't get that value. And we now don't get to have the thoughts from the people you're talking to or the people I talk to out in the world. They just remain in those people's heads. And that's fine, broadly speaking. But I think there's a Sort of touchy feely element that's like we are enriched if we share what we know, and sort of we broadly are enriched if people are sharing valuable things. And so, I'd encourage your friends to do so. But if I can just dive into it one step further, Lucy, sorry, my biggest bit of advice for trying to get people, trying to push people off the ledge is to get them to choose their favorite medium. What are they looking at while they're waiting for coffee or while they're waiting for the bus? And if they're Instagram people or Twitter people or TikTok people or whatever they are, I'd just go with that because I feel so many people are like, right, what rigorous legal videos should I be doing on LinkedIn? And it's like, well, I understand the question, but if you don't enjoy rigorous legal videos on LinkedIn, (laughs) why do you want to devote time to doing it? You know, you might be a person who likes dancing on TikTok or who likes images on Instagram and that's all of those things are great and so you should lean into things you already like. That's the most effective bit of advice I've found for the very few people (laughs) who've responded to chats like those that I've had, Lucy. I I hope that assists you in your connections.
1: Yeah, it does, definitely. So you were just saying before about um, telling people to choose a platform that you like, that you're engaged with and start there. That's not what you do. You are everywhere on every possible platform um, and you publish your content. Not Snapchat. Across, okay, not Snapchat, but TikTok, Clubhouse, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Yep. There are probably others.
0: Yep. YouTube, podcasts. YouTube.
1: Yep. Yeah. So how do you keep up with that? Because that's a lot. Mm.
0: It's quite a long response. One of my challenges is the same of many practitioners and many of your clients, Lucy, that I sleep less than I would like. So I think <laughs> it's only honest and right that I start off with that one. I am highly leveraged. So one of the things I'm happiest about is that when you go through that list, anyone listening who's unaware of this would be like, whoa, what? Like you're making eight different kinds of content for eight different types of platform. And my answer is sort of, but I do my best to leverage my efforts as heavily as I can. And so if I can just go through one cycle of content, if that would assist you, Lucy, yeah, or, or, or anyone listening? Yeah,
1: definitely. I've seen – you've done a video on this and I've watched it. Have but I? do it. Okay. Do it now yeah, because okay. I, I'm sure that not everybody has <laughs> listened or watched. So, yes, yeah. please, please share a cycle. <laughs>
0: How dare they not have listened? Oh, Lucy, what a terrible thing. Um, so, essentially, I do what some people call pillar marketing where I'll choose a central pillar or a central idea, and then I'll spin off bits of content from that central idea. So, for me, a central pillar is often a piece of New South Wales Court of Appeal or New South Wales Supreme Court uh, litigation about corporate oppression or derivative actions or, or this sort of uh, or Section 1318 or Section 1324, sort of corporate commercially dispute stuff. So, that'll be my pillar, that decision. And what I'll do is I'll take that decision and I'll write a LinkedIn written post from it. So, that's one piece of content from one pillar. I'll take that written LinkedIn post and I'll send it off to our marketing team for the firm so it'll form part of the blog post for the firm's website. So that's one pillar, two pieces of content. Then I'll head down to the coffee shop, I'll plug in my microphone, hold up the phone and I'll stare into it and I'll essentially give that summary, do that case note into the camera, blah, blah, blah. There was a plaintiff, there was a defendant. They said this, they did this, the judge said that and that'll take, say, five minutes. While the phone's recording, I'll then put my head down put it back up again and say, hello there, I just recorded a case note about a plaintiff and a defendant and they did blah, blah, blah. Then I put my head down and pull my head back up again and I'll probably try to shout out someone in my firm, hey guys, we've got the best family lawyers out there, come to Chamberlain's family law, we're the best. Then I'll put my head down, put my head back up again and I'll say something sort of business or society related to be like, hey guys, we're all lawyers, we need to smash the patriarchy right now. Here's why equitable briefing is important. You idiots, get onto it. <laughs> and so what happens is that from that pillar, we have written LinkedIn post, one piece of content, uh, written blog post for a work website, two pieces of content, and we have this video. And do you remember how there was a big five-minute bit that's a summary of the case and then one, two, three little snippets with it? So then we've got four videos. That's four pieces of content that we can upload to LinkedIn. So again, back to the pillar. The pillar has... One written LinkedIn, one written work blog, four videos on LinkedIn. But of course, those four videos on LinkedIn can also be placed on Facebook, so now we're at 10 pieces of content. Those videos can also be placed on Instagram, so now we're at 14 pieces of content. The shorter ones of those videos can be placed on Twitter, so arguably, we can can chop and change that. The audio from the five-minute video can be saved and uploaded as a podcast, and that goes into 10 or 11 different locations if you use something called Anchor, which is just spelt like the thing, off throat, the thing you throw off the side of a boat, and it may be what you use, Lucy, and it's super-duper, super easy. And so what happens is if we just circle back is we've taken our pillar, we've got one, two, three, four, five LinkedIn posts, being the written post video, post for work, So we've also uploaded it to a YouTube channel and we can upload the links to the YouTube channel as additional posts on LinkedIn and on Facebook. And so we have somewhere in the region of 20 to 30 pieces of content taken from one pillar. And if you manage to do a pillar 15 to 20 to 30 times a year, which is sort of what I'm looking at managing to do, I used to say weekly-ish and we're certainly slowing down. (laughs) But what I would say is that going hard, you could probably do that. Or I I probably did that in my most effective year, which was the first one about 40 times in a year. I think I'll be lucky to get out of this year with 25, 30 of those sort of rotations. And then what happens, everything I've just described is the heavy lifting, the really hard stuff. What happens on top of that is you've now built a little bit of an engine where people understand who you are, what you do, and they're interested. The reason you know they're interested is that the algorithm is serving you to them because the algorithm only shows you people you're interested in. And so the risk of, oh, what if I'm showing up in people's faces too often is non-existent. That is impossible because people are only shown what they want to see. And the way the algorithm knows what you want to see is how much time you've spent looking at it. It doesn't even care if you've liked it. It cares that you've spent time on the app, staring at Blogsy's face, talking about Big Macs versus Whoppers or whatever. And so your phone will start saying, yeah, I understand you'd love that burger content. We'll keep serving it to you. So the risk of being in someone's face too much is, is non-existent and it's insecurity speaking. And that's fine. We've all got insecurities and I accept that. But once you've built that 20 to 30 piece of content machine that you've got rolling, you then have all this blank space in between to make jokes or to take a photo of the socks you're wearing to work, to be like, oh, mismatched today, you guys, or to just have a straight-up ad for your firm, we are the best at blah. And so the reason I will watch the ad for your firm is that I'm already interested in what you have to say about subject X because I've somehow engaged in these other pieces of content. Then you'll be asked questions, and you can turn that into a piece of content then someone will, as I think we said earlier, someone someone will take a shot at you and steal your idea and you can take a <laughs> screenshot that of that content. and make a joke at their expense. Exactly. Turn, like, yeah. turn that into content. Like, it sounds really cynical or really strange or like we're in a Philip K. Dick novel or something, but you know everything, if, if you are someone your followers are interested in and they're following you because they're interested in you, then the fact you've had a nice cup of coffee or have gone for a run or are grumpy or happy about something, is itself interesting and engaging. And your insecurity about, oh, I've already posted once this week, is not something that should occupy your time because the only people who are seeing what you're doing are people who are interested.
1: Is it time for you to do law differently? So many of the lawyers I speak to know that they need to change the way their business operates, but they don't know what to do and in what order. If you want to regain control of your business and get back your life, my productize and profit program is just what you need. It's a comprehensive 12 week program designed to guide you step by step to reshape your firm and regain your life. There are over 50 online e-learning modules, insights and tips from industry experts and law firm leaders on topics like pricing, productizing, marketing and technology, interactive webinars, and of course, one-on-one coaching from me. The next program is starting soon and numbers are strictly limited. Find out more and register your interest at lucydickens.com.au forward slash program. One of your suggestions for the title for this episode, you might not remember when you fill this oh, in, but one of your no, suggestions I was what did co- I <laughs> it was coffee and a coach note. And I feel like we should go with that because this feels really very much like coaching. It's like, you're just <laughs> telling us all, come on, just get on with it. It's not that hard. And there are so many benefits. <laughs> So let's stick with that theme. and I had in mind
0: you as the coach, Lucy, frankly. I've got to say, Did you? I didn't um, have been in the
1: coaching well, role. Well, no, no, we've we've swapped roles. We've <laughs> okay. well and truly swapped okay. roles. So please give us some more coaching advice because yeah. I've spoken to you about this before. I had a little laugh when I messaged you to say, Please, would you come on the podcast? The last message was me talking to you about video, saying I'm going to do this, and it was—I don't know—it was like <laughs> a year or so. I've before- got so
0: many things in my inbox <laughs> saying that Lucy I'm like, yeah, can't wait, James, it's going to be the best. It's like, mm-hmm. tell me, tell me when it's done.
1: How do we do it? I mean, what's obviously video is intimidating. We've got our face out there; people are looking at us. It's horrible to even to listen to yourself back, let alone watch yourself back. What do we do? How do we do it? How do we get over that?
0: I don't know. There's a degree of get over it. I've never found myself more repulsively ugly than being 3 years deep into having to regularly look at my face for work. Like it actually really gets into your head of like, "Oh my gosh, I might actually be the most ugly person that've ever been." And sort of in my head I know that's unlikely. <laughs> but like you do have weird insecurities that come up and like and people say mean things. But I guess my advice on that is turn it into content, which is always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the one I get a lot is you look like a fat Harvey Specter and he's the guy from Suits, so you might know <laughs> the blonde guy, yes. the older blonde guy. So, And that's just good. For, that's a fairly funny thing to say. Yeah. So that's something to go and engage with. But how do you do it? The short point is I don't know. The longer part is do you want to and what are your reasons for wanting to? So that's sort of what I try to drill into is to say, okay, You're interested in thinking about sharing your expertise to market. That's really good. Why? And someone will say, hey, I'm special counsel and, you know, it's a bit jammed up and how am I going to get to partner if I don't start bringing in work? And the answer is great, I get it. If your motivation is to selfishly get yourself a promotion, which is like my motivation is selfish, I want to make money for my partners and me, great. Well, you are more likely to do that if you can bring value to people you have things in your head which are valuable and by keeping them to yourself, that is completely fine. What you are charging for in your business then is information. And Lucy, hopefully this is a point that makes sense to you because I suspect it's one that I've stolen from you over the years, that we are no longer really in the business of selling information, I say, and I say that me and you and people like us are in the business of sharing information, giving information freely and as willingly as we can and what you and I sell is access. And so you can go on the internet and find out every single thing I know about the Corporations Act and probably more than I currently recall, right? I've probably recorded more out there in the tens and tens of hours of it than I can currently recall. So if you want to know what I know about the Corporations Act, you'll spend less money and get a better outcome just watching every video I've done. So, why would you then come to me or Lucy, why would I come to you having listened to all your podcasts to deal with my coaching issue in your case or corporate and commercial issue in my case? And the answer is access. The answer is you want the brain that has published this material to take a bespoke approach to your particular problem and your particular point of view. And so for so long as the hypothetical non-publishing Professional is a non publisher. The market knows nothing about them. And so the market has no way of forming a view whether they're interested or not in working with them. And the only reason they could possibly be interested in working with them, which is to say, the only reason they could be interested in paying money for access to them, is because of the information they have in their brains. There's nothing else. Mm. And if I'm ruining that business model by spending, all, spreading all my information around, and if the movement that I am a part of and, and a lot of other people are jumping on means that information has become a commodity, and frankly, what is the internet, if not the greatest yeah. information commoditizer in the world, then all we can really do if we have an ambition to be a professional that is anything other than a whip generating person locked in a corner is We need to make access to us valuable. And the way you do that is by building relationships. The way you build relationships with people you haven't met is by being as generous as you can and as authentic and open as you can. And so that's an extremely long-winded way of saying, Lucy, the people you and I talk to who are slow to engage with this stuff are, I say, likely to be left behind if they don't. And so there's a carrot and a stick element Uh, to say it's fun and interesting and it brings in work and it's nice. And the stick is you're going to get left behind if you don't. I think that's probably the carrot stick sales pitch.
1: Yeah, I agree with everything that you said. And I think one of the concerns people have about sharing information is no one will need to pay me for it if I've just given it all away for free. And for the reasons you said, I, I disagree. But another is most people are time poor and they don't actually want to do this themselves. No one wants to sit through hundreds of coffee and a case notes when they can just pay you to give them the specific answer to their question. They All they need to know is that you know more than them. You're the expert. Clearly you are. So that's enough. I've, I'm satisfied with, you know, hundreds of videos that you know what you're doing here. So I'm going to pay you. I'm not going to sit and spend hours and hours of my life trawling through that and trying to figure it out for myself.
0: Completely agree. And it sort of builds on, and again, I think this is something I might've got from you, that Rory Sutherland, brand investment point where um, why why would you prefer in some circumstances to pay $2 for a Pepsi than $0.50 cents for a sparkling fizzy drink co-cola and the line is that Pepsi have spent hundreds of millions or billions of dollars investing in their brand and so they have something at risk if that can of cola is crap mm. whereas the fizzy sparkling PTY limited cola, uh, there's nothing at risk and so it might be delicious but if it's crap, there's no way for you as a consumer to make your voice heard. Whereas Pepsi are putting it all online saying, We think this is delicious. We've invested hundreds of millions of dollars. And if it's not delicious, then we've wasted all that money. And so, similarly, if I'm not good as a lawyer when you engage me, then I've wasted all that time getting you through the door.
1: I just want to take this opportunity just as we sort of wrap up for you to tell us a bit more about Chamberlain's. You mentioned to me that they recently won an award for the most innovative law firm. So they must be doing law differently in some ways. Just give us kind of an what do we need to know about Chamberlain's?
0: Yeah. I think it's interesting and I'm sort of a little bit insecure talking about innovation, especially on this podcast, because I charge by the hour and do cost estimates and you know, I would be lost without a timesheet, and I would be lost at understanding how my juniors are going without timesheets and all this sort of stuff. So we are a firm that has the traditional heart of a law firm that does include practitioners like me who go by way of timesheets and, you know, we've got practitioners who go and do conveyances and wander off to court and there are some manila folders around and in some offices <laughs> there are paper. Thankfully thankfully not mine but, you know, like there's some paper around the place. So I don't want to hold us out as being um, one of these firms that is doing something um, bizarre and, and difficult to emulate. But what we do do is we just look for refinements continually and are just continually sniffing around for a 1%, 1%, 1%, 1% 1 refinement. And that doesn't mean we don't sometimes get really pissed off with software, and that doesn't mean sometimes we're not struggling to execute a document electronically, And, and it doesn't mean any of that. But I think what we are is a firm who is at the forefront of trying things, and the more we iterate, 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 the more we learn, and the more we generate a culture whereby we're all comfortable being open-minded about something. like There's every chance tomorrow morning that my managing director, Stipe, comes in and says, oh, you know those timesheets. Sorry, we're not doing them anymore. And I would sort of have to say, oh, okay, well, I, <laughs> that was nice. I guess I'll have to figure out how it's going. And so to be an innovative firm, and in fact, Stips and I have had, have had chats about using this term in the, in the context of Chambers, to be an innovative firm I think is more to be an open-minded firm, yeah. and that's all nice and touchy-feely. And, and just to give a couple of concrete examples. Um, we're getting really good results from a product that I think works well for some clients that you would have certainly dealt with before, Lucy. It's sort of a subscription, just 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 sort of levels of um, subscription legal services from your yeah. your X and your Y and your Z, um, and it's anywhere between I think five hundred dollars a month up to about twenty-five or thirty grand a month, depending on the needs of the client. And we're finding that smoothing of legal costs, especially obviously for those commercial entities who need to bop into their lawyers from time to time, to be really valuable. And that requires an open-mindedness. You, you know, it requires a willingness for me to say, well, if I'm giving an advice to one of these subscription clients, how's it going to show up in my budget? You know, it requires a culture where I'm going to listen to the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to go ahead and, and do it and, like, and act on the answer to that question and be excited about it because I'm excited to be in a place where we're trying these things. And I think the other example, just to, just to hit you with a second sales pitch is, and Lucy, you know this as a wills and estates expert yourself, is that so many of your advices and, in fact, so much of your litigation comes from the post office will that's fully set out. Absolutely. I, please insert name of the beneficiary, give, please insert asset, to, you know, please, sorry, test data, uh, please yeah, insert yeah. A number of asset, uh, please insert a number of beneficiary. And our advice is always, they're dumb, they're dumb, you should pay me a few hundred dollars or up to, you know, 10 or 20,000 for a testamentary trust will instead of going to the post office. And we say we've quote, quote, solved it um, for simple wills with an online wills product that has been through a huge number of iterations and has taken some time for me to be able to stand behind, as you can imagine. (laughs) I don't tend to get excited about stuff that I'm not prepared to be held to, but with a few years' blood, sweat and tears poured into it, I think we're in a position to say that what it is is now something for unsophisticated, very straightforward wills is a genuine possibility. And so there's innovation from that side, innovation on how do we deliver client services, There'll also be innovation in how we distribute it. So Steep A particularly, but the firm is is very open-minded to forming relationships. So we would even think about contacting a mortgage broker or an insurance broker and saying, hey, look, should we just give you a freebie for 20 of these things so that you can look good to your clients when you get their home loan across the line to say, hey, look, I've actually got a couple of logins to get you guys some free wills now that you bought your first house. And so it can sort of become not merely just a direct product to sell to market, it can become a way for us to build relationships yeah. with, with you know, financial advisors and accountants and, yeah. and these sorts of people. It can make them look more expert. It can give us a small chance of having the will in our deeds room. So, that, so you know, exactly. if there's probate and admin work to mm-hmm. get, could be a good outcome. And so I guess I use that as an analogy to say none of that is uh, rocket science But it's a sort of an outcome just developed through iteration, iteration, iteration. Yeah. And I can take zero credit, by the way. All the work was done either before I arrived or (laughs) in my absence. So I can take absolutely zero credit.
1: That's fine, but maybe what you can do is connect me with someone who's been involved and I can interview them because I'd love yeah. to learn more about that yeah. project and also because yeah. it's my still, practice like, area, I'm interested. Yeah, let's do that separately. Um, but I'm still kind of reflecting on the very first thing you said about, oh, I don't know about Innovative on this podcast and I think it's really interesting because... I think the new law label is helpful. And I think it's been useful for kind of some firms to kind of grasp onto and to use to differentiate themselves. But I also think like any label, it can be problematic and that we think we have to tick these boxes in order to consider ourselves as, you know, doing something different or innovative or whatever it might be. And I don't think that's the case. And in fact, when I do introductory training with our new staff at this firm, I show them George Beaton's list of what it does it mean to be a new law firm and I talk to them about how we meet, you know, some of those criteria. And then my next slide is about, but actually that's not the be all and end all. That's a great starting point, but that's not the rule book. We don't have to fit into these criteria. It's more about some of these other things. And I just wanted to make that point because for me, innovation is not about charging fixed prices. It's so much more than that. That's just one example.
0: In the genuine sense of it, I, I just firmly agree with that. I think your um, onboarding is a great example of that where it's not blindly saying this is what contemporary legal, exciting, edgy legal practice looks like. It's coming in and saying, hey, there are some interesting ideas. Here they are. Here is our response to them. And I think it's that second step, that, that degree of sophistication that I think will really separate out the buzzword element with the... Well, again, I don't want to put it in a negative way, but probably the business models that are likely to have more longevity than a sort of zeitgeist moment in time of what does new law look like now because in 10 years it'll be like, why haven't you done your hologram will? Like why aren't holograms all about, you, you know, whatever it is. yeah. Why haven't you had your will implanted under your skin or taken your will in pill form or whatever? Um, but it's, yeah, it's interesting.
1: All right, so if we're going to wrap it all up, what's the advice that you would give to someone who wants to do law differently?
0: Yeah, I think it's more about letting the mask slip as fully and completely as you can. Is about the best advice I can come to. I spent a decade having lawyer mask that you put on, bang, lawyer mode. And then if you knew a client for two or three years and you were in the middle of the third day of a hearing at lunch, you might be like, well, actually, I'm a real person under here. <laughs> you might think about revealing that. And it is in part this Coffee in a Case Note project and in part the colleagues I have and um, the journey I've been on that's allowed me to let that mask slip to the extent where I think it's gone. Um, and it's brought me great sort of mental health and well being, joy, But I think it's also enabled me to be a better lawyer when I'm in front of judges or opponents or clients or colleagues or whoever it is. So letting the mask slip is different, I say, to what many of us have been doing for a long time. And if I could give a firm suggestion on how to change what you are doing and what I was doing for a long time, it would be let that mask slip as
1: much as you can. I listened to your chat with Mitch Jackson on Clubhouse when you were talking about this very point. And that's the thing that's the thing I dislike about Clubhouse is that it's not recorded. I like my stuff yeah. to be on demand because that was such you were talking yeah, about too. social media and um, John Farron, so that was the three of you in the room mm. and you were talking about this concept of letting the mask slip. And I thought it was such an interesting and valuable conversation. It's a shame that Clubhouse doesn't last us record it. Otherwise, other people could hear it. It's funny.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to go in too hard on Clubhouse. But as we spoke about before, I consider myself heavily leveraged and so the reason I don't go on there much is because I can't reuse the work I've done again so yes. it's almost like that was an hour down the drain yes. like, you, you know I agree. We don't so have you take a that. screenshot of what you've done hey I was just in clubhouse you know like it's tough to it's yeah. tough to leverage that work
1: yeah it really um, is but I love the advice. So thank you for sharing it with us as well as all the other coaching that you've given us on this episode of the podcast. Thank you.
0: <laughs> well, Lucy, as I say, a uh, long-time listener, first-time guest and really appreciate your time. It means a lot to me that you'd have me on and uh, really excited. So thank you.
1: Thank you, James. Are you a lawyer who needs CPD? I've teamed up with Law CPD to make that task easier for you. Law CPD provide premium CPD for Australian lawyers and they offer so much more than just another webinar. Law CPD's courses are online, on-demand, interactive learning. Law CPD are offering Doing Law Differently listeners $25 off of their first purchase using the code DLD25. There are over 100 courses across all competency areas. So visit lawcpd.com.au to find your next CPD course and make sure you use the code DLD25 for your $25 off. That's all for today's episode of the Doing Law Differently podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to do law differently and you're looking for some guidance and inspiration to help you along the way, then get your hands on my book, It's Time to Do Law Differently, How to Reshape Your Firm and Regain Your Life. You can get it on my website lucydickens.com.au forward slash book or on Amazon or Booktopia where you'll also find the ebook versions too. Don't forget to leave a rating and review if you enjoy the podcast and be sure to tell your friends and let other people know too. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.